0: Welcome to No Page Unturned, the podcast where Christina, Steph, and myself, Josh, go in-depth discussing books, mainly focusing on those written by BIPOC and LGBTQ plus authors. You don't have to read along with us, but be warned, there will be spoilers ahead. Welcome to our side program that we're calling Off the Books in which we have author of Space Tripping, contributing writer to the Red Opera, and soon-to-be-launched TTRPG campaign, The Black Ballad, Pat Edwards. How are you? I'm great. How are you all? I'm great. I'm excited to
1: see your face. (laughs) I know.
0: I'm excited to talk to you about writing cuz Also, I, voice. I, yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah.
1: I feel like this is going I this is going to quickly turn into like you guys all talking about writing and I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to absorb it all. I'm going to have a good time and I'm going to be like I like to read. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to clear your skin. It's yeah. going to unclog your pores. I'm just going to drink beer.
2: And- I I would argue that is a absolute vital part of it having people that like to read really helps if you're a writer. I'm doing my part.
0: <laughs> I mean, you can't have you need readers for writers. You're
1: right. I am the most important part of this process. I, I
2: that's I've always said the the readers are the most important part of anything I've ever written. So, I, mean, I want to be on record saying that. Mhm.
0: But, I mean, first and foremost, this is a book podcast, so, Pat, I want to know, what are the books that, like, got you to go from just, maybe, you, you, didn't, you don't even have to be a reader in order to become a writer, but are there books that launched you from that, like, in your brain was, like, going from reading to, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a writer. I want to yes, be a writer.
2: Absolutely. I want to be an author. It's, it's... Hundred percent, yes. There are a couple that really uh, lit a fire under me, as far as as that is concerned. And uh, as far, yes, that I, to some degree, I, I always wanted to be like a storyteller. I like telling story. I liked writing. I te- like telling stories, but definitely didn't set out from the get go for it to be a career. Uh, when a more quote unquote, you know, air quotes, practical office business route. Be a grown up. Be mature. Be miserable. Uh, but it, so, but as far as the books that I think really, 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 like hit home for me, it's like, oh, yes, this is it. This is the thing I need. I want to do this. This is the type. And and really, it's a lot. I'm a, I'm going to say some books that I, in my opinion, break a lot of traditional rules because I think that was the thing for me. It's like, oh, you can do that. You can just like stop in the middle of a narrative, change perspective, and just like talk to the reader. <laughs> <laughs> like, and i love things like that i love so definitely the um of course hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy if you've read either space tripping one or two you, it is uh embarrassingly obvious how much of an influence those books have had on me um obviously of course 100 that's fair all but also again another uh wonderful uh british author sir terry pratchett rest his, rest his soul the Discworld novels i adored again books like you can do this you can just be silly with these like very quote unquote serious like uh genres and just make fun of them while you're like in while you're appreciating the genre also make fun of the genre but it's great so those have been huge and and instrumental and then one of the bigger ones um as a writer who is i feel like very niche in that very well known in certain internet circles, and then very maybe unknown is jason Pargin who who used to write under the the name David Wong and uh John dies at the end was his first big novel it was it was turned into a movie um and it's
1: wild that that book is a
2: movie, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's right insane it's insane and it's a good book don't
1: get me wrong as a record like that book is a movie
2: (laughs) i am almost i'm like 95 done with the third book in that series as of us recording this which is and and he has such great titles for his books uh the third book that is something like if this book exists you're in the wrong universe that's the name of the book Um, i
1: think the second one is this book is full of
2: spiders yes (laughs) it's it's, this book is full of spiders seriously dude don't open it but jason he does things in his writing that again very much like you can do that and, and people will publish it and because because again it's just this is something i would sometimes clash early on too with like editors or beta readers and be like well technically the rules of writing or like I, I don't care this is what my story needs and i want and it's funny to me and so because it's funny to me it's going to stay there i think if uh one of the biggest things i found is you, you got to you got to treat yourself like you're like the, your number one fan, your number one reader, right? Like you got to if you try too hard to write things that are appealing to everyone, it's not going to be appealing to anyone. It's make yourself happy first and foremost. Make art that you personally really like and want to you know, make. This is a cliche and you I'm not making this up. I've heard it a million times, but like make the art or make the, you know, like make what you whatever you think. Oh, there should be this. Make it. Make it the way you yeah. exactly want it. You'll be happier with it. promise you regardless if it's financially successful or not like make the thing the way you want to make it
0: yeah so many uh authors i admire are like if you're writing following what's trending it's not gonna work
1: Mm -hmm. and i think at least because publishing is real slow (laughs) yeah yeah
2: yes and that actually i feel like uh that mentality has served me really well in my like t- professional TTRPG writing because I'm not someone I'd say the overwhelming majority of people in that space are lifelong like D&Ders or RPG gamers and they've been playing since they were kids and I'm not I definitely came into it later in life and I think because of that I have a little bit of a different sort of perspective the the rules or the traditions of content creation aren't so sacrosanct to me so i'm willing to break Mm -hmm. them and try and and, and try things and it ticks some people off in the industry they don't like it some people are very and then some people really really love it so hell
1: yeah can you give some examples because i like people off and i just (laughs) want to know how to do
2: it i was just talking about this with someone so um one of the things i stumbled into when we were doing the red opera which is the first big ttrpg project ever i ever worked on and was when it came time to like when you we're creating these original monsters or enemies or whatever NPCs that the players will fight at some point, and I'm looking at like stat blocks, and like, this having to especially let let's take let's take casters, let's take magic using enemies and NPCs as a great example of this, and a traditional the the overall majority if you pull up like the stat block for for some evil wizard or necromancer or lich or something like that um the stat block's going to have you know the usual numbers and then a few things and then when it comes like things for, like their spells aka, aka the cool shit they're supposed to be able to doing there's nothing really that original to it it's just it's the same spells we all know just different combinations of them like slightly different it, it's Fireball. You know, it's, yeah, it's it's like there's a hundred spells, and like, and we've all seen them. You played the indie enough, we've all seen them. This particular enemy has this set of twelve spells. This one has this set of twelve. Some are the same, some are different. And I see that a lot too in the indie space, where people are just like building these very prototypical spell stack abilities. Where it's like this NPC is a level eight caster. Here's the spells they have prepared, and it shows like these level one spells, these level two, and to me. That was like really. That's really boring, um, and not fun for the GM. And I'm someone who I feel like a lot of stuff is written for the players. I think right for the GM because then if the GM's having fun, the players are gonna ha- like it's gonna translate it all. It all like the vibes, the energy are just. Um, so I was talking to Rick, who's my writing partner in the um that world in the D and D the TTRPG space, and I was like, Do I can I just make up like X number of magical abilities and just say, you know give them cool names and like some of them might be similar to some some spells exist i'll try and do enough you know tweak them a little bit here or there so they are different and and that way i don't have to mess with like these like spell slots and just like it can it has this ability it can do it three times it has this ability it can do it once like and he's like yeah i love it do it not that i thought of the idea he had you know he'd thought of it before but he's like yes that's that's so much more fun. That's more fun for me as a writer. I think it's more fun for, like, the game master to play. It's like, oh, cool, look at these abilities I have to play with. And it's all kind of spelled out for me. And I think it's just more fun than, like, if I'm GMing something and I open it up and it's like, get... Steph, to your point. Oh, do we got? Okay, they got Fireball. Okay, they got Ice Knife. Okay, they got Misty Step. Okay, da-da-da-da. Counterspell. It's like the same. It's like, okay, I know how I'm going to do this, this, this. Paint by Numbers whereas Mm -hmm. i try to always i I pretty much don't do that spell set like that way of doing if they do a magic user i'm creating original abilities for them every single time
1: so it's like bespoke villains
2: yeah yeah (laughs) there's
1: something very like as you're saying that i was like oh that like really levels the playing field too like not pun intended like so that somebody who's been playing D anD D for twenty years isn't gonna rock up and be like, okay, well this this villain is doing this, so we need to do this, this, and this, and like because they have all this, uh-huh. and like somebody who maybe this is their first game, like they don't know how to deal with something like that, and so you know yeah. the, it it's not uncommon for mm-hmm. like new players to become passive in a game because they don't know. Yeah, that's a really good point, and they don't learn because a more experienced player just does everything for them.
2: Hundred percent. One of my favorite examples of this was from the, also the Red Opera, and it's one of my favorite en- enemies to play as a GM if you have to fight the players is there's this very. It's one of the three most important NPCs in the whole campaign. It's a Dorian, the Accursed King, and one of Dorian's deals is he basically has a pact, like a warlock pact, with quote unquote every patron, like every major patron. He and that's this whole thing to hold the city together. He's and it's like, it's, it's a whole thing. He, it's wearing at him. It's tearing him apart. But he has packs with all of these, like, many, many patrons. So what I did was, instead of being this, like, oh, is it, he's the king of warlocks, so we know what he's going to do. He's going to do warlock shit. Oh, sorry, what's the rating on the language You're on fine. this? Yep. Okay. You're fine. Yeah. All
1: swears First all the time. time.
2: Fucking A. Um, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> all the time, so uh, a lot of discussion of wizard jizz one of our oh. episodes.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, viewers please note wiz,
1: that pat held his wiz, head in his hands
2: wizard i'm trying to think wizard yeah, yeah. wiz yeah. um <laughs> jay wiz uh sorry not, not <laughs> <big one>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so so i wanted to evoke that with dorian right like with his abilities and so it's not just oh here's a powerful warlock we know what warlocks can do So I created, a. I took all, like, the major types, the most common types of, like, patrons you see, like an Archfiend, an Archfey, an Old One, Celestial, um, Hexblade, all of those. And I, for each of them, created, like, an original ability that I felt was, like, evocative of that particular type of warlock. So and with a lot of like color to them, a lot of flavor to them as well, as far as what it looks like, what the effects are and unique and also kind of turned in like different abilities to like control the battlefield, too, which I always think is fun or and, you know, as far as for a GM to have an enemy that's not just dealing damage, but can like control the battlefield as in like spells that move players against their will to different locations or control, you know, different things to change the landscape. So I give him all these different abilities that are all very different in nature, right? Like the, the, the hex blade ability, the hex blade, like, um, like homage ability is very, very different in feeling from the old one homage ability that he has and all of that. So it's, it's one of those things where I think it's a lot of fun to play and you get to pull these things out and you see the players like reacting. Like, I don't know what this is. I don't recognize it. Cause a lot of times it's Josh, to your point is like, okay i know what this i know what you're doing you're casting blank blank, blank i know what that does and i know exactly how i'm gonna react now and it just becomes like it takes like the flavor out you know when it's just when combat's too and that's the thing i'm really conscious of too is combat especially in like 5e can be a real slog if people you know Mm -hmm. you're not trying to like put bells and whistles on it so i forgot i lost my train of thought where we got there but i think i said the point i said what i meant to say yeah so were
0: you an author before you ever ran like a campaign as a GM? Yes, because with my D&D group, they all knew I was a writer and that I wrote my own fiction. And so they after we did, you know, uh the Fandelin intro campaign, they're like, "Oh, uh-huh. we want the we want the writer to be the DM." And I found that the Transition from writing mm-hmm. fiction to DMing was uh, difficult, and it was especially difficult because I was so new to Five E. So, like, yeah. what was the what was the transition from writing for uh, fiction and then GMing and then also writing, you know, a campaign book?
2: Yeah, that is something. So I think you hit the nail on the head. Is that not all write, writing is equal? Is an equal experience the type of writing? As someone who I've um, so written a couple of novels, working on another one. At this point, I've written a number of different like TTRP gaming publication type work. Um, I wrote one screenplay for a short film that got made. I'm actually working on another screenplay for a feature film. um, all of those are very different like modes you have to be in. I joke it's like it's like having it's like Gutenberg, a little Gutenberg in your brain moving around a printing press where it's like it's not you can't really hop. I can't really hop from one to one to one within like a short term period. Like if today is um, RPG day, I'm working on that because it's a very it's a very specific mindset, like the type of writing novel. Novel writing is a very specific mindset. Um and screenplay writing is a very different mindset too, right? Script writing. So, um, yeah, it was definitely an adjustment. And I was really lucky that I have this writing partner, Rick, who is a ridiculous veteran. Also, he was newer at the time to writing in this space, I'd say, but he is a master GM who's, like, GM'd campaigns and upwards. Of, I think his quote is 50 different gaming systems. right so and i'm at like three for myself myself so (laughs) but so so having him there was super helpful for me but yeah just to your point is it's a different animal um i i feel kind of like a jackass saying this i i kind of took to it really naturally i feel like it just it just really clicked with me pretty quickly and that I'm also a weirdo who likes challenge and I like hurdles in writing. I think I do my, I honestly think I feel like most creative people always think they want like the blank slate to do whatever they want. Give me the blank page and get out of the way of my creative genius type, right? Like whether you're (laughs) an artist or a writer or whatever and whatever it is you're doing, I think I honestly just know getting to know my own brain the way it works. I think I do my best work when there are um, parameters imposed on it, Mm -hmm. right? There are boxes that have to be checked where it's, we need, you know, we need a piece that accomplishes A, B, and C adheres to the rules of this game, avoid doing X, Y, and Z and do it within you know a number of words between this number and this range of words go i feel like some people that might be kind of a turnoff or not like having those parameters or those walls kind of they might feel boxed in i i feel like i really come alive and thrive because it's like okay okay like creative brain let's we really got to work now we gotta take all these boxes and it's got to be awesome what do you got for me go Let's figure it out. So I it's, uh, it's structure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's why
0: I really like uh, there's a writing program called Write or Die, and mm-hmm. it it makes you if it like if you like don't write a certain amount of words a certain amount of time. Like there's different options, but one of them will like it'll start erasing your words if you. And there's another like what? version of it where like. It literally, like, it'll show you an animated cat over a pit of acid on a chain, (laughs) and you name the cat. And if you don't, if you start slowing down on your, like, word count, it starts lowering the cat into the acid, and you're like, no, I gotta keep writing! So, So, like, just having, like, even an imaginary deadline to me is, like, better for me to get... That's sort of work, creative work
2: done. Well, absolutely. And because and this that, that dovetails nicely with another thing I'll say, because I've had done stuff be like, what would you say to people trying to get over that hump of their first thing, their first story, their first campaign, their first novel? And a lot of times I'll say, just write, just write. And Josh, that that really plays nicely into that, because if you have something like that, it's not going to be perfect the stuff you write to keep up with whatever the arbitrary deadline or to keep the cattle al- keep the digital cat alive. <laughs> but that's okay cuz I also have this this philosophy where it is infinitely easier to improve something that's already written on the page than write it perfect the first time.
0: Right. Like first drafts are meant to be garbage and then yeah. you fix the garbage.
2: Exactly. 100%. It's so much easier to, if you're like, just write some nonsense or you're struggling with a scene or something like that, just keep it going. And then you can come back and see how, I mean, I literally like have written when writing books, just on placeholders, like character's name says something snarky here. And I'm like, I'll figure out what fits later, or I'll just put in like the description, like a, like a one sentence description of the paragraph. Like I need a paragraph da-da, just to keep it going. And then sometimes you need that perspective mm. on what comes after that moment to write that particular moment, the way it needs to be written. So I'm with you there. Momentum is huge and helpful. And again, it's so much easier to, to improve something once there's words on the page.
0: Sometimes I like to like, just I'll put two characters in a room With like, they're just sitting in chairs with a table and there's one object on the table and make them talk to each other just to get their character voices. And then that scene will probably never be used, but it gives me an idea of what, you know, what my characters sound like and what, how they would react to, uh, like, you know, they're in a table and there's a pack of cards in between them. Like, what would happen in that scene just... And then, you know, I remove it, and then now I have an idea of, like, who my characters are. And, like, it it doesn't matter that uh, those words are not going to be used. It it gives me a better focus on who my characters are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. One thing I wanted to ask you is, you know, so you've got RPGs which have, it's almost like character then-narrative. Because, like, you have to populate a world, and they all have to be there, and, uh, but, like, your your book also starts, or Space Tripping, your first book, also starts with, like, very character-forward, so, like, do you feel like you, you start with characters and then build story around them, or do you... Does it go the opposite way? Is it some third option that I'm not giving you that you're going to take?
2: No, I think it's, I think I've done a little bit of both. I think you, especially with the first space tripping, you're right. It is very, that one is very character driven. That one is very, um, I think I had, I wrote like the opening just kind of on a whim. I don't know I said this weird flat, just kind of on a whim. It's like, Oh, could this, could I extrapolate something from this? And, then I didn't do like a super detailed outline. I just had a very small handful of major beats. And then the blanks got filled in by the characters. And I really was okay. I feel like I have a clearer idea of who this character is and what their voice is in my head, especially the two main characters who we were introduced, you know, Chuck and Drop. And it's like, how are they each going to react in the situation? What are they going to do? What are they going to say? What are the consequences? What would the what would the consequences be of what they do and what they say? How are they going to react to those consequences? What are the consequences of the reaction? Rinse and just rinse and repeat through the whole story. And before you know it, it's like, oh, okay. And then that was really interesting because there's a lot of stuff in the first book that I didn't envision when I first started writing it. That kind of came to me as I was going. That was like, oh, oh. Listen, I have an idea now. Because what if Blink, Blink, Blink? Because I have them say this, or they do this. The second book is funny. Is you think it'd be was a little more plot first, where I had a really clear idea of what I wanted the plot to be, and then kind of slot the characters in. And but then, of course, you want still to write things changed, of course, along the way. But because you want. It to be authentic to the way the characters react to things that's a huge pet peeve of mine when i'm watching things or reading things and when characters act like completely out of character <laughs> and like just like that doesn't man i don't want i don't want to tick off this fan base because i i do let me just say no do it do it i'm some i like soup i liked supernatural i watched the whole show
1: oh. beginning to end oh, i like so with you right now
2: pat the, the, well let's, let's not talk about the end the last couple of the last couple I of actually, episodes i, have, let's, let's, I let's haven't gotten talk- there yet i know wow. what happens
1: brad and i have been slogging our way it, through yeah. like we but, rewatched the ones that we had seen and now we're in, like season 14 and it's actually oh kind of okay again but it's just he watched like two episodes and you just get mad at it. And then we don't come back for another one. I month. mean,
2: the first five <laughs> seasons of that show are. Yeah. Golden. Cause they're a story. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. then, and then it just like ebbs and it's like ebbs and flows. So, you know what I mean? It kind of like, there's waves the to it. There's, there's yeah, hills and valleys. But yeah. I do feel like with Sam and Dean, there are wild swings where they are not consistent. Those two, where it's like, that makes no sense. He is is all of a sudden the response like it's just like that doesn't make yeah that show is very guilty of I know people can quote unquote change and grow as a character and that shows it what like thirteen seasons or something like that like it's fifteen okay yeah so I get it but there was (laughs) that show is definitely my in my opinion is subjective that show is particular that one always stands out to me as one that's very guilty of characters doing and saying things that serve the plot that are blatantly in contrast to everything that they've displayed of who their character is or what's like how they act and it does it Mm -hmm. and it does it habitually it does it quite a few that makes sense obviously i as i say on my show let's rewatch it was a net positive for me because i did watch it all the way through To i did i have seen every episode at least one time um so you know but that so i feel like i'm allowed to criticize it because I, I i put in my time
1: yeah you're always allowed to criticize everything
2: <laughs> this is this is my feeling about as like, long as you uh, accept the
1: consequences t- i have some notes on, yeah, that, exactly. some notes no on that statement you for
2: you okay i have some i have some notes on that statement that you just Please. said <laughs> no
1: <laughs> and i'll criticize those notes <laughs> yeah uh
2: yeah i like storytelling it's a lot of fun
1: oh sorry go
0: ahead you can definitely see that in uh your book space tripping which uh, I'm just gonna say I loved space tripping I read it last week and I I, I, uh, I'm just gonna it is so difficult to write both uh smart and funny and space tripping does it so well thank you and I love that uh you balance Chuck being new to like alien culture mm. without being like problematic or like like he always like he doesn't act as a character to learn about new well, it's alien like, culture. I
2: need you to say this thing or do this thing just so I have an excuse to do some exposition for the reader type stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: You balance that very well.
2: Thank you. I appreciate but that. But it never feels that way. It never feels no, like
1: you're forcing yeah, the exposition.
2: The I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. Thank I, I know you.
1: people like throw around the word cinematic a lot, but like when I was reading space driven, it's like, I see the movie.
2: Yeah, that, That's not an accent. I'm a very like visual person. And yeah. um, I think a lot of that book, a lot of, especially with my novel writing, I think I I'm very, I'm visualizing scenes in my head like with visuals and then i'm like okay i I I think and then i'm like okay how how would i describe this in a way that like flows on the page like prose so i'm definitely thinking in visual terms and then translating it to words so i appreciate yeah oh so i'm glad to show (laughs) i mean honestly so honestly the first space streaming i originally envisioned it the story as a comic book as like a graphic novel but then i was like yeah i see that either i am a decent enough artist to be a danger to myself another but i've never ever tried to do like a graphic novel level of art or like the quantity and like the time of the the time that that would take was really overwhelming and daunting definitely didn't have the money to pay a good artist what they're worth because i wouldn't want to like shortchange it i'd want to pay the fair rate for a good artist and that's like if you look that up like a good comic book artist like you're you're shelling out um it's
1: so much work and
2: but the they deserve it i want all comic book yeah, artists oh, yeah i, I want yeah. I, every comic book artist as long as they're not like problematic or like a shithead should be very wealthy mm-hmm. because i love that art medium so much and some of the stuff that they pull man i feel like there are comic book panels that are just some they're just pure art that like give you these emo chills emotions happens yeah uh love comics um so, but then I was like, well, the art part is kind of a sticking point. So I'll just, I'll, I'm going to try this as a novel. But yeah, I think, yeah, it's very, I'm very visualized as in my head as a scene and then translating that into written word, essentially.
1: Yeah. Does it ever bother you that when you, so you have a lot of control in the novel yeah. space and then you switch mediums to like a screenplay or an RPG and, you you get some control you know you get to tell people exactly what's what but also you lose some control of being like well they're gonna just like i'm gonna say stars and i've got you mm-hmm. know four words to talk about space and then i don't know what people are gonna do with it does that excite you or does that like scare the shit out of you
2: no it, i think it used to scare me and now it kind of excites me and it, it's definitely yeah that's why TTRPG writing is so different too is because you don't just get to do whatever you want you're not you're not writing a novel you are creating. It's like you want being able to weave some kind of story while not feeling too railroady is definitely a challenge, but it's, I think we, I think it's, I think it's why most like indie content you see are like source books. Just like, here's the world, here's an encyclopedia of their world we make up. And then maybe like one little mini adventure. I feel like you don't see epic, long, like we're doing like with with red opera and black ballad like long campaigns cuz it, it is challenging like yeah how do you how do you create an entire narrative that also like takes into account the most chaotic force in the universe which is a ttrpg player um and and the choices <laughs> that they you will Truly. not and that was something you have to come if you're going to try and write in this space too like listener just come to terms with you will never predict everything that they could possibly do in a situation. You'd be like, okay, they're going to eat. They're going to do this or this or this. And really there's no other. It's like, no, it's like, you know, the thousand monkeys are rich. Thousand monkeys, oh, yeah. infinity and typewriters. It's like, no, there's a player out there. But they never gonna come, come up.
1: together to make Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah. They just write a right. million crazy things for eternity.
0: The sh- yeah. <laughs> and I'd, that yeah. was, that was what I was not prepared for when I, when they, when I became a DM, I think it's <laughs> yeah. because I you was fairly be. new. You
1: really can't be,
0: and I was also fairly new to D anD D at the time. So that jump, like, oh yeah, that yeah. it's a ba- ba- like a really big balancing act with yeah. And I imagine it's even more of a balancing act when you're writing a campaign because yeah. you have you're trying to give other GMs uh, structure and. As much information as possible, but but without being like you have like you yeah. can't you
1: so that, have like, to that they this. can respond to their players' shenanigans.
2: Yeah. It, I think so and something we try to do, and so I, I I personally forget about this and sometimes I have to remind myself, but something to think about when you're like writing, if you're writing for TTRPGs, you remember most of what you're doing is most of what you're writing, only the GM's ever gonna read. Right? And see. So like have a dialogue or have like talk to them like and and so a lot of times when you're writing stuff and it might be trickier like ah when you come to a point like I really don't there's a really a ton of ways this could go. You what you want to do is be really detailed, explicit in what the ultimate goal of, is of of this encounter, of this social encounter, of this combat encounter to the GM. Let them know it's like here's some tools for you, GM. Here's some like ways this is likely to go. You know, that being said, at the end of the day, you know, at the end of the day, the idea, the, the, the the point of this encounter, the point of this interaction, the point of this piece of the campaign is blank. So however you get there, you know, the point of this encounter is the player should think this NPC is a piece of shit, or the players should think this NPC is great, or the players should be scared or the players, you know, or this building should be destroyed one way or another at the end of this, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, like, let mm-hmm. them know. Make it clear to the GM. What is the goal for this section? Right? And it's like, here is a very likely way it could play out and a few what-ifs. Obviously there's no accounting for player agency. That being said, here's the goal you're trying to get to. And I think a lot of GMs, especially if you do this a decent amount, you get really good at thinking on your toes. Because, again, players, you never know what the fuck they're going to throw at you. Never, <laughs> like
1: Never. I think we've all had the moments when we dressed up as sexy firemen to pick someone out of jail, right? Everyone's <laughs> had that experience? No? Okay. Just our group?
0: No, but I've had multiple experiences of like, oh here's a here's a building with multiple character points. Oh, the wizard just Burn that entire building
1: down. <laughs> with fireball. Yeah, there goes yeah. my there
0: goes the rest of the session. Guess I gotta yeah. come up with something
2: new.
1: There, yeah, they they're like, you know what? I don't feel like helping the fish people in that cave. We're gonna go now. I'm like, okay. Listen,
2: <laughs> I always gotta have a wizard. Uh, that was
1: the next two sessions. <laughs>
2: you know, I I feel like like classes too are so for the most part decently balanced and stuff, but man, just having like a straight up classic wizard is I think just so helpful and our the campaign i've currently been a player in for almost two years we don't have a uh, a full-blown like caster class like that you know oh. and uh, there's so many problems i feel like it has been fun it's been we've created entertaining content from it but it's like i've said so many times like god this this thing is going to take us an entire two-hour session would have been solved if we just had a wizard at the party this would be a non-starter this would be just done already yeah. and, and this is where a bunch of So, yeah, again, you don't know who the makeup of the party is going to be, right? It's just, oops, all barbarians.
0: Sometimes you have a party where intelligence is everybody's dumpster.
1: Yep, I've I've been in that party.
2: They can't solve anything.
1: (laughs) that is, that is one of my
2: games we have me or my character is on paper supposed to be like a genius and has like a 20 intelligence but i'm just like a dummy so i have such a hard time playing a smart <laughs> That's character hard, yes and it's
1: really hard I, yes. I, I
2: i naturally fall into just such a like bimbo a himbo energy with players my my <laughs> characters so naturally and it's like no he's supposed to be smart not a, not just like socially awkward Don't, i'm like dang it you did it again <laughs>
0: Playing someone who's dumb is so much fun. It's so much fun. And sometimes oh, playing a yeah. smart character can be a buzzkill yes. for the rest of the party. When um, they want to do something dumb.
1: It's just fun to be an idiot. Also, when you're writing a book, you have six months to figure out the smart person problem. Yeah. When you're playing a game, you have to be There's smart no There's yeah, no second draft. There's no final be. draft. Yeah. Yeah but like so you do have a drafting process when you're writing ttrpgs but you also have like that spontaneity aspect is there a way that you try to like make sure that you're writing for the spontaneity or like do you have to do anything where you go back and forth where you're like oh like do you have to play games with yourself oh yeah and that oh the yes players would do this
2: yes and that's why i think um you can write a novel by yourself, you can write a screenplay by yourself. There are people that do solo writing TTRPG work, but I think TTRPG projects, especially like entire books, are way better served as a as a collaborative team approach because other people think of stuff you never would have and like I mean at this point, like with Black Ballad with Storytellers Forge, we have a massive team and um, and it's of uh, you know multiple you know a couple writers, editors artists layout designers all of that you know it's just something where everyone has different uh having those different perspectives have you know getting eyes on things and having a process for review is invaluable i definitely think ttrpgs uh if you want to create and write and publish are are better served as group efforts because it's a group thing it's a group game the game that
1: makes sense that makes sense
2: can you tell us about the Black Ballad? I would love to. <laughs> uh, so <laughs>
1: <laughs> We're all waiting on the questions. Like, is now the time that we
2: ask? <laughs> mm. So, yeah. So I co-founded a, like an independent uh, production a studio, calling it, called Storytellers Forge. And 30 seconds on that. It's basically, um, it's myself, Rick Hines, and Courtney Penny are the three sort of official co-founders of it. We have a number of um collaborators that are going to be like consistent members of the team and this is kind of an in-house project the black ballad but essentially what it's going to be is it's a studio where we have our own in-house projects that like our our own brain children but it's a place that anyone can come to and partner with us if they if they have something that they want to get published especially in the in the gaming world and They've like, I've written this manuscript, or I have a first draft of this manuscript, and I don't know what to do with it. And we can be your like back office, right? Like, set you up on a crowd. How to, like, here's how you do a crowdfunding campaign, we're going to partner with you. Of course, there's going to be like a split of proceeds of like the crowdfunding and all of that. Um, but it's like, do you do you have art? Do you have art? Do you need art? Are we going to be supplying the art? Or are you going to supply the art? We have printing and distribution, so we have all these resources that people can come to us for. Um, and the big, big thing that's going to separate that separates though is you listener if you're a writer creator you own your ip we do not take ownership of the ip we've had bad experiences with that too many people too many studios try to make it that they own the ip and don't do it don't sound i always tell people one of the most important lessons i've learned in this industry is so in a creative project everyone's bringing something else something to the table right Or why are you on the team? Everyone's bringing something to the table. It could be their labor, like editing, their editing eye. They they know printing or distribution. They're an artist. They're a writer. If the thing you're bringing to the table is the idea, your idea, you can't give up ownership of that because that's all you have. That's your bargaining chip. That's Mm -hmm. your thing. So if you thought of something, a book, a story, a setting, and you were writing and you're doing the majority of the writing, Unless they're unless they're really backing up a truck of money <laughs> to your house. <laughs> don't give up the one thing that that is your big strength, your big bargaining chip is your intellectual property. Do not give up. And we would never ask, and we will never ask someone to do that. Um so that's one so that's the storyteller's forge, the company. Now, our big initial debut launch is the Black Ballad. And that is epic metal ttrpg campaign that like the red opera is an adaptation of a dia morte album they are in this they're recording it now called the black ballad and so it's gonna have music you know a soundtrack uh, like this awesome epic soundtrack like the red opera it's in its original setting original story it's not a sequel it has some strings that can connect and there might be uh, a cameo from some familiar NPCs or two from the red opera, but it's not a sequel. You don't have to, you, you could have never heard of the red opera and you can still have fun with the black Ballad because at the end of the day, what the black Ballad is, is it's the campaign you play when the heroes die. It's the campaign for an unexpected TPK. Or if you have a play, a gaming group where a bunch of people have had characters that died and they weren't, didn't feel done with them yet. Because yes, this is the campaign where the player characters are dead at the start of it.
1: I love that. Huh? I like it. So it's like a, it's a great campaign to like have in your back pocket almost.
2: Yes, hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. If you're a GM, that's immediately what I thought yeah. when uh, when you
0: did the the greetings adventurers uh, mm-hmm. uh, version of it. I was like, oh, I could because I recently we had a TPK. And I was like, "This could you could plug this right into that TPK, and it was a lot. It was a lot of fun to listen to."
2: Yeah, that's exactly what we're going for. It's if you're the forever GM in your group, you need this book. (laughs) Have this in your back pocket, ready to go.
1: Because when you so real,
2: (laughs) when you accidentally get too fed up with your players and you're like, "I'll show you," (laughs) and you just or they just do something they can take a mind
1: flare it's fine it's like, and then well, there's like be, just one too many bad rolls. yeah let's
2: be actually you know what that's not even fair to the, to the long-suffering gms it's probably 10 percent of the time that happens 90 percent of the time they did something really stupid uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you got it ready to go and you're prepared and then you look like a rock star because it's like oh yeah don't worry i got something for this you know if you're not done with those characters don't worry i got something for you
1: this was planned yeah. yeah,
0: it also gives you that like time, especially if you created your own world for when you're DMing and be like, "How does this party dying affect you know what the plot was?" Yeah, but meanwhile they're doing this thing, and I can think about my world. It's a perfect like plug it in, have time to
2: think. And you have actually you have no idea how accurate that is because we're we're doing all these things with a in of itself it can be a self-contained campaign and with a crazy bombastic epic ending to it so it could be like the finale of these players but there's also a, a lever in there that the gm can pull that resets that kind of brings them back to life but also there's ties to what's happening in the setting of this that could will have ramifications on the mortal world that whatever players can these players came from so we're really putting a ton of effort and this thing is going to be easily plug and play unlike anything else and just like kind of unique. And you're going to be able to like weave this into the world you're already playing in at home.
0: And it's on a backer kit, right? With it, which is essentially like a, like a Kickstarter.
2: Yes, correct. So if you've ever backed a Kickstarter, especially like in the TTRPG space, you've probably heard of backer kit because they started, they like basically fulfill the orders, you know, like help, get it all together, help studios organize things and get the shipping out. And they were doing so much of the work. (laughs) They were like, why, why does Kickstarter get, you know, taking their big percent cut? So they created a crowdfunding platform. It's newish. It's definitely small. You know, it's, it's, we made the choice to partner with them. It's kind of a long-term partnership. So some of the differences are right now, at least, you have to be approved by Backerkit to be on their platform. Like You have to reach out okay. to them, talk to them, tell them what you're doing, kind of show them that you, maybe you have an audit. Because here's the thing. They, they want Kickstarter, and, and, and I don't say this. There's no there's no malice. There's no negativity in this statement. It's just a fact. Kickstarter doesn't care if your project succeeds or fails.
1: Yeah. Or if, again, or if it's a scam.
2: Yes. Yeah. And or if you yeah, or if yeah. you fulfill your or if you
1: never fulfill, yeah, yeah, right, and yeah. and they take no responsibility to some
2: degree. They don't that those instances you put out are are shitty, and they I feel like they should. But let's take it at face value of let, putting like scams or like yeah. failure to fulfill to the <laughs> side. They don't necessarily have to care whether you you know succeed or fail in your campaign. um BackerKit has a vested interest. They want to grow the platform. They want you to succeed. They actually are gonna they actually work with you to help you succeed. So long term, because we already have our next three projects after Black Ballad mapped out. Um, it's we we see this as could be a potentially really good long-term partnership. In the short term, is why I'm I'm out here doing a podcast almost every single night, is because we really need your support. Um, we understand that. 99% of the people that support us on Backerkit, this will be the first thing they've done on the Backerkit platform. They're going to have to create an account, you know, another account, you know, add your email, did it, all that stuff. We appreciate it. Um, so it's one of those things where we are using like re- market research. We're sacrificing a decent percent of likely funding numbers up front, but, what we're hope is it's it's for an investment for you know an awesome long-term partnership with this this campaign
1: it sounds like a really good like mutual kind of relationship too yeah. which is yeah. something that we all like to support and yeah. you know not have big giants be like we're just going to take your money and not care so and, and backer kick great
2: holds people account like you they're not doing the hands-off like oh well tough like if it seems like a scam they boot you they ref you know they mean they cancel it um Mm -hmm. they want you to be accountable because again they're also trying to grow their credibility in this space too they have a lot on the line as well as a crowdfunding platform um so yeah backer kit the black ballad i can probably give you like a a link for show notes or something to the the page if you're listening it's the Kit campaign is live on march 7th and runs for 30 days and another thing we're doing—I'm just going to jump into it too. Just talk. I want to talk. If, you might notice if you go check us out, our funding goal is probably a lot higher than you see in a lot of similar projects, and that's because that's a real number. Here's a little secret about crowdfunding, <laughs> friends. Um, almost every project, especially like gaming projects, RPG books, go, go, take a look. Go to Kickstarter, take a look. They're most of them have funding goals like five thousand. Uh, express funding goals of like five thousand, ten thousand. That's I guarantee you that's not the goal. I guarantee you they spent a lot more than that creating the book or whatever it is. They do that. It's marketing, so they can have like the funded in a day, you know, hundred percent funded in a day badge, funded in three hours. Mm-hmm. We don't because then, but then it's like, what happens if they if they they spent thirty thousand dollars making the book? They say they only need 10,000. They get 20. So it looks like, oh, you doubled your goal, but you actually don't have enough money to actually print and ship the book, right? So Mm -hmm. our number, you see, I think uh, we keep playing. It's like $60,000 on there. That's the real number. Like, that is the real number we need to pay everyone, you know, pay everyone, actually print and ship the book. Um, You know, high quality printing with covers and everything, the art. And, we're not messing around with that. Right. Like we don't, we don't going to play those games and even, even back. Okay. We have, I have emails even back here. It's like, are you sure that's like kind of (laughs) high? We're like, no, yeah. Like we're not like, we're serious about this. Like we're, we want to be super. Cause that was an issue that we infamously had to deal with, with some partners. We made the misfortune, you know, we made a mistake in partnering with in the past was there was not a lot of transparency and there still continues. Cause I, (laughs) I get the emails still for this other project that, they did that who knows it'll come out or not there's still not much transparency we're like no we're not we're not that's not how we're going to be like everything we do is like you ask a question you're going to get a straight answer um so with these things like these numbers our numbers are going to be higher than average because it's that's the real number of what it takes to actually create these books uh, you,
1: uh, i just have a question so is backer kit one of those ones where if you don't meet your goal you'll still get the money you
2: have to meet your goal. Um, well, that's a great question. Actually, I gotta double because we were talking okay. to them about that. What we there? You have a choice. Like, I'm trying to remember. There's again. Okay, this is a great thing about having a bunch of partners and stuff. <laughs> okay. A well, lot. Just so to, yeah. yeah. If
1: people like support you, but you don't make your goal, they still know that like their money is going towards the project in some way, even if it isn't.
2: Yeah. The goal. Let me assure you, like the books. Almost completely written. This is not something where it's like, we got your money. Now we actually have to write the book. Like, it is. We have mm-hmm. tons of art done already for it, layout done. We have an animated trailer. We've got, like, we have voiceover being recorded so you can, like, download audio clips of NPCs that you can play Sick. at your table and stuff. Some of it's being recorded by, like, Carlos Ferro. If you don't know that name, he's a voice. He's Dom in Gears of War. He's Leonardo da Vinci in the Assassin's Creed That's games. Awesome. um That is awesome. And, what? Uh, yeah. That's and like, crazy. no, we have the amount of people that we've that have come out and like wanted to sign on with us has been i don't know what's going on like what is happening because like our art director i want to shout them out James Masingo they've worked on Borderlands 2 in the art department they've worked on um Shadowrun so like we have yeah. some amazing collaborators that just like oh, yeah. believe in us and want to make cool shit um and like so, some of the stuff we got coming next i can't talk about it, but it's people especially like it's 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 names you've heard of or like you know in different circles. in different circles so let's just say one of the ones we got coming up next if you are deep into uh dnd tiktok in those circles so there's oh. a there's a there's a decent name in there that that we're working we might be working with um but uh i can tell you guys offline yeah <laughs> <laughs> but no so it's one of those things we but we're trying to be really above board with everything and communicative and like ask anything you want um, and if you're out there, you know, please you know, please support the Black Ballad. And if you're a writer, if you're a creator and you are feel like, you know, you've got the work ethic to actually turn in because that's the thing, a lot of people think they want to do this stuff, and then when it comes time to actually turn in the word count, like well, t- wear them pages. We're good. So it's if you got something and you know you can make it happen and you want to write it out and come to us with a manuscript, reach out. Look us up, storytellersforge.com
1: i think it's so important to like focus on you are an artist who thinks it's important to pay artists mm-hmm. that shouldn't be yes. novel yes. but it Man. is for some reason and while <laughs> that's sad for the world yeah. i think that's awesome fuck paying an exposure
2: no yeah yeah right? we yeah. so here's why i think please, again please support the black blood because here's the deal uh I, i'll get real real with you we also have some investors that really believe in us and storytellers forge and we have just put that money kind of to the side. Essentially, we kind of worked it out where there's only two people. There's a lot of people who are collaborating on the Black Belt. There's only two people who could not make any money on it. That's me and Rick Hines, my writing partner. Okay. Um, and, well, and between the two of us, dang. we'll end up writing the majority of the book. Everyone else is is basically guaranteed. They're getting paid for their time and work. The only two people that could theoretically walk away from this with nothing, or like no money or negative, are Rick and I. Um, and that's fine, because if it blows up and it's really, really successful,
1: like right, you'll be yeah, fine. Yeah, right, yeah. Uh,
2: but but the thing too is we have if you go if you look at our page, you go look at our look at our stretch goals. We have uh, raises built in. Like for the artists and the writers and stuff like that, we have stretch Aww. goals that are for rate like, like no I just got it. This That's is awesome. just we hit the stretch goal. It's just a ten percent raise for the art staff. Literally like, never seen
1: that before in, yeah. in a craft fund. That's really good. Yeah. Um,
2: so we want we just want to make cool shit.
1: Yeah, and for, and for people to get paid for making yes. cool shit because as it turns out, yeah. making cool shit is work. Yeah. 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 As much as we wish we lived yeah. in a world where that was not necessary, we do. Mm-hmm. Eggs are yeah. like so expensive. Eggs are so expensive. Oh my this God. is being recorded. Chicken in is criminally <laughs> expensive. <Okay>. All <laughs> the parts we're of doing, the chicken. Let's want
2: to size it. It is Buck Wild, and I had this talk with my wife the other day because we have three small kids too, and it's like I do all the cooking in our house, but I, I like, I was crunching the number. I was like, and and we're we're very fortunate. We're we're do we're you know we both and successful in our careers and we're very very fortunate and i'm I'm thankful every day for that so it's not when i don't mean like crunching the numbers like we're okay but i was looking i was like honestly it's not cheaper to like it used to the whole piece of thing is like cooking you know cooking most of your meals is cheaper and more cost effective and it's like it's actually not anymore it's actually not anymore no Especially if you have like I have like Dash Pass with DoorDash, so I don't even have to pay like if you DoorDash two times a month, it yes. pays for itself. So it's like I don't even have like the delivery fee. And even with like a good like a good driver tip, it's like this is still cheaper for this meal yeah. than if I were to buy Which, everything like, to cook it.
1: Sucks in its own way because then like in that case you know like, oh, the the cheap point in that cycle is like the workers. Like I Fair, will pay, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it sucks. It sucks mm-hmm. all the way down. There's no good answers.
0: But also, a lot of those places that you're ordering food from have contracts where they get the chicken and eggs from where they have a reduced right. price while we,
2: as regular citizens, don't
1: have yeah. those um, deals.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I try to – I can't something. I'm one of those people. Like, no, there's no ethical consumption <laughs> that No, thing. It's, it's true. Like, absolutely. Like, there's mm-hmm. somewhere, there's, there's... somewhere in every process, there's a problem. Like the from beginning yeah. to end. Um,
1: it's capitalism. It, uh, That's the whole point.
2: But, um, I try I try to like, I try to like hedge everything I do. I'm, I'm a big balance person, right? Like, like, like moderation balance, um, with like, um, food or money or dollars, so, you know, like, it's like, uh, um, so I cook like half the night on average, like half the nights because it just tastes in the takeout and stuff like that. But, um. Yeah, it's. We it's could talk. That's a whole other show. Let's I have another existing. show. Let's all let's have another. Let's all get together again and just rant about like the bullshit of current oh this God. current system and society. I mean, we
1: could do a whole podcast on shrinkflation.
2: Tear it all down. All right, let
0: awesome. let's yeah. move that aside. because yeah, like, I I need to ask this question. Okay. What, what what are you writing in? What is the pro- I want to know the gritty the gritty details. <laughs> oh,
1: <I see>. What <laughs> program are you Josh writing in? Question.
0: Are you a are you a night writer or a day writer? Yeah.
2: Okay, yeah, um, let's get into that. You, let's, let's nerd is out Is the program stuff.
0: that you write your novels different from the program that you write your TTRPGs in?
2: Yes. I want
0: to know Yeah, yeah. do you do you listen is it better do you listen to stuff when you're writing? Yeah. Do you need silence when you're writing? Right. These are the details that I want. Let's
2: get into it. Okay. So, let's take these questions let's, let's knock them out. So, as far as like what program? I use different stuff depending on what I'm writing. So, for TTRPG writing, I use Word because when you because like I said they're usually collaborative. We use uh, OneDrive as like the the mm. shared folder. Mm. Um, these documents get really big and chunky really fast, and I'm I like Google. I like the I like Google Drive and I Google Docs, and I do most of my own personal novel writing in Google Docs because I'm the only, like it, it's I'm the only one going in and out of there, and it's these. RPG things get so big and chunky, and you, we have all these folders with stuff because we have it's like different sections. Or you don't want some because ma- these are these are big fucking books. So it's yeah. like every section is a different Word document, and OneDrive is just better for syncing that and having one sort of like universal cloud where people can pull a document, edit it, and everyone can see it. Google mm-hmm. Drive, Google Docs, it would it would get so slow so fast. Like it, it, they get when the documents get too big. So Microsoft Word and one drive for ttrpgs i'd say i do most of my novel work in google docs just because it's easy like it just is so compatible with like my phone and i can i can i can literally just pull it up on my phone and maybe add a few sentences on the fly really easily to a novel Mm -hmm. in there and then i do i have final draft for script writing and screenwriting um and so that was that was one part of the question um yeah. i believe music was in there like or like setting so here's the thing um i say an ideal scenario for me i can do it either way um i'll i do have playlists Yeah, i do have i do have writing playlists and there there's a lot of different ones i've got one that's like i'm curating with a bunch of different songs like just very variety of different songs on it i have playlists i found on like spotify and saved, like like lo-fi stuff you know lo-fi stuff or um weird you know kind of trippy you know cerebral you know just uh instrumental stuff sometimes too like very or cine- you know cinematic things love a little lord of the rings style stuff in the background of course um i do i do need a amount of like lo-fi hip-hop instrumental where it's, it's like so chill yeah mm-hmm. that's just a really good that's really good just for kind of like the flow like a little light head bob and it's kind yeah. of like
1: yeah
2: yeah um so that's like the music but also I can do it in silence I can do it with the sound of kids screaming in the background I have to get used (laughs) used to that um you know writing a computer is better than writing on my phone but I do do some writing on my phone because that's I have three small children and that's uh sometimes the only time I can get something done is I'm I got I'm rocking a baby in one hand and I got my phone in the other and I'm writing this you know and I'm one of those people that's like I'm a huge like I know like hustle culture and grind culture is definitely having not a moment, like an anti moment right now because it, and and I I am fully in support of that. It can be very toxic and very problematic. Um, I'm someone who for me in my world is a sucker for it. And it works for me to kind of have that like, grinder mindset and like get my that, again that being said i'm not someone who's like preaching like you got to get up at 2 a.m and work and work, you know work. get up before the the person next to you and don't be out you know i'm a sucker for that stuff and like the motivational speeches and like do not be at work i don't no, no. i am and that works for me and it gets me out of bed but i don't try to push that on anyone else and i get like again why that can be weird and eye rolly and and i get it so that being said i have this thing or i call it like like no zero days where if nothing else i write one sentence in something that day here's the thing though if you get one sentence out you're probably got you probably know what the next sentence is so it usually ends up being at least like a paragraph so if it's on my phone if it's not even sometimes it's not even in the actual document it's like the notes app and i'm like da. I'll copy and paste that later. But that's a few sentences I didn't have yesterday. And that adds up over time because it gets really easy. And I tell people this all the time. Um, If you're an aspiring writer and you want to complete something, a novel or something, get on the world. And the only time you – and you got like a day job and maybe you got kids, you got family obligations. And you only ever do your writing when you've got like two to three hours to yourself with a cup of coffee and some music in your quiet space, it's gonna take you forever. I don't know if you'll ever get it done. And it gets really easy to make excuses and be like, oh, I don't have time for this. I'll tell you all something. The first space trip, because that was definitely a crazy, I was I had moved, I was getting married, first kid was coming, the first space tripping. I wrote half of that book on my phone. Easily half of that. I'd write emails to myself. So I wouldn't lose it. So because you know, Gmail saves forever. And then I copy, and paste it, and format it to the document, the Word doc. And so it's something where, for me, I'm, like, wherever I can get it. If I add a couple sentences, I do it. Or, so, or just some, like, notes, some ideas and stuff like that. Like, I'm always trying to. Yeah, because
1: like, starting another... is the hardest part.
2: Yeah, 100%. Again, it goes back to easier to fix something already on the page than write it perfect the first time.
0: Yeah, when I started writing, when I took it, started taking it more seriously, there was a, a Neil Gaiman quote going around where he's like, "If you write only when you're inspired, uh, you'll make some great poetry, but you'll never be a uh, a published novelist." Sometimes you just have to yeah. sit down and write one word, and then write another word, and then you have to finish things.
2: Especially if you want to do this like as a job. So I take on, so I have my like projects where I'm like an owner of, right? So there's like Black Ballad, there's my space tripping novels. And it's like I I like I'm writing it and I get paid. I'm getting, you know, making an income from it. But like I at the end of the day, like that's those are my babies. And I own it. I also take on freelance writing work. And I've written for other publications. Um that's not, you know, and that's something where they're giving you very like we need this, like, um, you might not be feeling it or because it's not like your baby. It's not your IP. It's not your world. You're coming into someone else's world and writing and it has, they have to approve it and this and that, but like it's a job. So you got to do it like, and that's definitely something where that's not a, I'm so inspired the artist, but you got to, the, they don't, I, I. they don't give a shit if KK you're inspired as an artist. They're like,
1: yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> but yes, that is true. But it's one of those things where, but that's also, I think, really good like for growth as a writer to Mm -hmm. have to write in someone else's world and adhere to their parameters and um it's something where it it can ebb and flow and how creatively fulfilled you were but like i also don't be precious i think don't be precious with ideas if you you if you have a good idea you have another good idea and if you if you only have the one a good idea, then maybe this is is it for you. But don't be precious <laughs> with things. Um, you didn't ask this, Josh, but I'm just going to throw it on there because it feels like like this piece of advice that I think just kind of tie, like kind of fits with all of this is as far as like getting stuff done. You've got to keep the number of projects you're working on at one time small. You might have ten great ideas. If you try to work on all ten, none of no, you're going to have in 10 years 10 unfinished problem projects
1: that was a Freudian slip 10 unfinished problems
2: <laughs> is also true <laughs> i try to keep it to two and it's like i'm actively working on two and at any one time any one you know like week or month or something like that because it's like just get one done and then it's done and that's done and then you can do the next one and then I feel like we all know so many people that have an unfinished book on their computer, multiple, unfinished, because they have so many great ideas. That's great. Ideas are great. I also have ideas. You have ideas. I could not think of another idea for another 10 years and not run, and, and just work on the things I already have and not still have stuff. But I know none of it is going to get – and I could be overwhelmed by that and try to do all of it, and then none of it will get done. But instead, I'm choosing – it's like, like – put my head down and go like i'm choosing this one when this one's done I do this one i don't fuck with anything else until this one's done then i do this one you know what i mean like and that's how you build a body of work that's good advice yeah
1: that is that is actually like what, that. less projects than i would have thought like i was expecting you to say like three or four like two is like it's pre- and i think it is so easy to be like ah, i've got two i'll take one more on it'll be fine I do that with
2: podcasts. I occasionally break my rule if, like, one of the if, like, the third one or one of the three is like a, sh- a very short term project. You know, um, no, but I like I think I think two, and you have you have like if you're just not really not feeling one of them, you have the other one. But if you want to actually get them done, Josh, did I hit everything? Uh, I,
1: that was that was. Yeah.
2: My... <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember if I hit like because. There are multiple parts to your question. I want to make sure I hit them all. I think
0: so, Well, I imagine it's like totally different for you. Cause you have a, a family and two kids. So it's more like there's not a uh, scheduled writing time, but with like when you can get yeah. it in, like oh, you yeah. said, like on your phone, when you can get
2: it in, I, I would say I am naturally more inclined to write in the morning. I'm a morning. I'm kind of a morning person. So I think again, in a, in like an ideal world, I definitely am someone who I think is is more of a morning writer than an evening late night writer. My brain gets sleepy. I don't want to do stuff at the end of the day. Um, I'm definitely I i I wake up early to go in the morning, so
0: it's totally different for me because I work overnight. So my oh, yeah. morning is like your afternoon.
2: <laughs> I guess the question would be. Are you more like when you first wake up, are you ready to go? Or is it more like uh, wake up, kind of do my like day job life. And then in the evening or like my quote unquote, not time of day evening, your personal evening, like post work. Um, I often will be have like lofty ambitions of, oh, after the kids are in bed, I got like two hours. I'm going to get so much. Time. <laughs> and then by the time they're in bed, I'm like, look at my wife, I'm, like she's like, you're just going to sit on the couch and we're going to watch a show, aren't you? I'm like, Yeah. We're just i can't I just think brain no brain yeah. no more work there Fair. brain no more do, do yeah. words put on whatever the new netflix trashy reality show is yeah. we're gonna watch we're gonna watch perfect match i think that's the one that's hot right now i think it's uh...
1: but did you determine whether it was cake <laughs>
2: <laughs> what a life what a life.
1: <laughs> It's, it's
2: great and terrible at the same. It's great. It's it's terrifying. It's beautiful and wonderful and terrifying all at the same time. And we're we're having this conversa- what, that sounds like life. We're having this conversation two days before the campaign goes live. So I'm really just like very like, ah very. Yeah. yeah,
1: I feel like we should have handed you a martini at the beginning of this.
2: Right. Oh, that was the thing. I think a lot of people probably, especially if you read the space driven books, if that's how you know me, probably think I'm like a hemingway right drunk edit sober which is a he didn't actually say <laughs> that ever but uh i don't No, I, I don't really write buzzed or drunk or anything like that i don't um
1: that's a great way to just have a nap in the middle of a project
2: yeah no it's it's you know i'm not i don't i think that's i on though a little bit in the beginning when i was first starting out i would definitely kind of leaned in like oh i'm having a couple of drinks because it gets like i've gotten past that i don't think alcohol helps creativity i think it just you you just think it does in the moment um now caffeine on the other hand
1: <laughs> <laughs> i was waiting for this to come up when you were like i'm moderate in all things
2: okay like, except you, my, ca- my coffee intake that's fair yeah
0: <laughs> i think i like my
2: apologies wrote... let me be very clear i'm very, I'm very like yeah <laughs> Not all things, so I shouldn't say all things. But uh.
0: <laughs> I think I wrote like three thousand words one night when I was drunk, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this is this is I gotta do this all the time." And then the next day, I was like, "What is this garbage? <laughs> <laughs> this,
1: this, this doesn't make any sense." Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Writing yeah. drunk is a great recipe for like it's great in the same way that if you need to speak a foreign language being drunk like a little drunk is great <laughs> yeah, you yeah. just you need the confidence it's gonna, the shame has to get knocked down a little bit yeah right but if you don't actually know any french it's not gonna help you then. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah yeah when i was more i don't really drink that much anymore but when i did i would always carry little pocket notebooks and write whatever ideas I would think of yeah. when I was out with friends. And the next day I would read those ideas and be like well, here's one good idea hamburger like lawnmower." things I wrote down. What <laughs> the fuck does that mean?
1: I still have the legal pad. I wasn't even drunk at the time. I don't know what happened. It just says space bees? Question mark? <laughs> was that from Sailor Moon? I must Probably. have been. Probably. Yeah. Ugh.
2: Yeah. Uh. You can do anything. You just do anything put space in front of anything and it's like an idea? True. (laughs) Just look around look around in front of you find an object space
1: pillows?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Is this anything? Oh I
0: I do have one last question. Is there anything you could tell us about Space Tripping 2?
2: Space Tripping 2? Oh sorry. That's out in the world by the way. You can go get it. Space Tripping 2 is out in the world. Oh I didn't even know that. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna go get that.
2: Yeah, space as soon as we end not this really, podcast. That's what I can tell you. It exists. It's in the world. <laughs> I apologize no, for that. You're no, fine. Josh, you're good. I don't here's the thing. I'm not I make the stuff I make. If people read it and they like it, I love that. If nothing makes me happier, it's why I make stuff. Also, but I'm not weird. I have people all the time. I have people that are like very close in my life, like, oh look, I gotta read those and I'll see them like I still haven't read. I'm like it's, I don't care. It's okay. Like, dude, you should read it because you want to read it. And you know what I'm saying? Like, so I don't have a weird hang up on stuff like that where it's like, um, I, there, but there are people like that, right? Where it's like they get, they get weird. You're like, oh, I haven't read your thing. And they're kind of like, I, I don't have that. It's like, I am incredibly uh thankful when someone does spend their time with something i've i've written or created and it means a lot to me it, like when they do but i don't feel owed it from anyone so that's a really long way to say josh don't worry about it if you want to go get it go get it hit me up after i hope you like it i'm really proud of it uh that's space ship yeah. 2 the chaser third one yes is in the works yeah
0: oh, you title that, it? see now that's that's the news i didn't know that there was a third one in the works Mhm. It's funny when uh, I asked you your influences, because like everybody probably says Hitchhiker's Guide uh, for space tripping. But when you said uh, Terry Pratchett, I immediately linked that style space tripping with because it's just like the smart slash funny, just Mm -hmm. like Terry Pratchett. And so when, when you said Terry Pratchett, I was like, oh, I see that.
2: Immediately, those books are so enjoyable. Yeah, same. I probably still haven't read all of them. I'm getting to book, there's so many of them, but I usually I'd say I read, I throw a Discworld book in every second or third, like when I have a book I'm reading, and then it's like I love them so much. Where it's like I read this book, I finish one, I throw in a Discworld, then I go back to something else. It's just they're so so good, so enjoyable. The stuff you have a favorite. (sighs) Oh, man. Uh, I really like Small Gods. Okay, that was the first one. uh, This is really funny. That was the first one that popped in my head, Small, because that's, as a Reformed, non-practicing, raised Mm -hmm. Catholic, not practicing any kind of... Awesome, raised Catholic. Not practicing any religion. Small Gods really hit home for me. I was like, yes, okay. Like, yes, thank you. Um, I really like... There's a handful of the city watch series Mm -hmm. that are really really good um like guards guards i think is really really good um there's there's some that are good in all of them like there's there's gems in all of the different mini series within right the the uh the witches ones the granny the grandmother witches series granny weather wax and all of them those are great um i'd highly recommend maybe don't start with like Light fantastic or color of magic, or because like they're you can tell he's new and stuff like that, and you're Mm kind of go back and eventually, but the rinse when ones are fine. But yeah, small gods, and then, um, like the there's all kinds of like charts online you can look up, like Discworld reading orders. Because if you've never heard of a listener, they're really fun, insightful, but funny, like fantasy books. And then he's got all like so many different characters, but then there's all those like mini series within it where it's like three or four books about these types of characters, about these particular characters, and three or four about these particular. And the City Watch ones are great. Mort, the Mort ones are really good.
0: Read the Hogfather at Christmas
2: time. Yeah. Uh, yes, that's right. <laughs> They're so good. I
1: mean, I think you missed the obvious one, which is Space Tripping, uh, <laughs> Is a great entree into the Terry Pratchett world. <laughs>
2: i mean they could theoretically considering the disc world is mounted on the backs of four elephants who are in turn on top of the great turtle atun who flies through the infinite void of space through all eternity um they could very well take place in the same universe it's true
1: you heard it here first
2: don't think i haven't considered for both of these books a uh, throwaway <laughs> line of them like looking at a spaceship window and be like is that a big fucking turtle <laughs> like, uh, so i try that'd be almost too on the nose though but yeah don't don't think that hasn't crossed my mm-hmm. mind that <laughs> to have them see the disc world off in the distance of space at some point <laughs>
0: You could have like an author's edition with, with extended chapters and just plug
2: it in there. <laughs> now there's, a, like a director's authors cut. Here's all yeah. the here's in all the, the jokes space. Yeah, it's like with all the with all the really with all the really dumb jokes that were for me that my editor made me cut or <laughs> Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I get why you think that's funny because it's funny. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, it's funny because it's funny.
1: That's so brutal
0: but uh, Do you guys have any other questions
1: uh i was just gonna ask is there anything else that you want to talk about that we haven't asked you about yet projects or things coming up or just
2: whatever's on your That's mind it, i mean the main crux is I'm, I'm here you know promoting the black ballad you know thank you for having me on if you're listening and you play ttrpgs please consider supporting the black ballad because here's the thing too i think we've like just kind of talking about it like it like it's uh, D&D all, it is actually we're actually writing it full disclosure fifth of, you know D&D is going to be the shortest walk to play this but it is very I'm going to call it semi neutral to systems like it's very you would not have to work too hard to adapt this to some other major uh, RPG systems so awesome. yes yes 5e is the shortest like the shortest path to play it and going to be kind of like the easiest fit um but it's not like interwoven in the book's dna it's not like we don't even use like advantage or disadvantage like we don't even like things like that like we're doing we're really pulling it back to focusing on like original like coming up with interesting encounters that are dynamic and settings and npcs and and giving kind of guidance to gms but we really want to. And we were already kind of doing that where we're going to do this kind of, we call it like semi neutral, semi system neutral. The OGL stuff really solidified that that's a better way to go. Um, beginning of this year, I could talk to, I could talk, I would love to talk to you guys for hours, but uh, yeah, if you're listening to this and uh, please support the Black Ballot, I need it for my company to not crash <laughs> <emerge>. a <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, so plug time then. Where can people find you and the Black Ballad and Space tripping and all that stuff?
2: Yeah, if we want to make it really easy. Um, I am at the Pat Edwards everywhere. If if it's if it's I have an account, you know, you know. How about some? There's some branding synergy right there. It's Twitter, Hive, Mastodon, Instagram. My website is the Pat. So the Pat Edwards. Don't forget the S at the end. Everywhere. Um, you find me there. I'm sure I'll be screaming about nothing but the Black Ballad for the month of March. Um, or if you go to storytellersforge.com, obviously like, the landing page is going to be support it for the next <laughs> So there'll be links there, but that would be really super duper awesome of you. And I promise you're not going to wait around for like years and years and years. Where our goal is to actually have the book in the mail before the end of this year is our goal. Nice.
1: Which is quite the turnaround. And it's time very fast yeah. literally anyone who's ever seen anything happen on Kickstarter yeah. so yeah consider backer kit
2: yeah. again like I said about like my novels I'm very thankful we are very thankful and appreciative of people that choose to share their time their money supporting us so we take that very seriously so know that if you do support the Black like ballad you're getting something that had a absolute shitload of work and effort and heart put into it for the sole purpose of making something enjoyable for you to experience. And we're very appreciative of your support. Thank you.
1: Okay. One more very important question. What are you reading right
2: now? Oh, it's funny. As I accidentally, you had told me you're going to ask this. I um, actually answered this. I think earlier in the episode, I am currently reading because technically I still have like two chapters left. Uh, I am reading. If this book exists, you're in the wrong universe by Jason Pargen. There you go. Up right now. Oh it's a lot of what? those books are a lot of fun
1: steph what are you reading oh what am i reading i'm reading empire of exiles raw dog uh
2: oh is that the jamie um
1: jamie loftus yeah. yes is
2: yeah,
1: that... we, we got uh early edition of it it's really good uh, and then another book that christina sent me and i don't remember the name of it right now so i'm not gonna say because i'll probably still be reading it for a few weeks, anyways. Josh,
0: what are you reading? Uh, I'm reading the sequel to last year's Justice for Kings by Richard Swan. It's called The Tyranny of Faith. Uh, it's very good so far. And also, um, immediately after uh, finishing uh, Space Tripping, I bought the audiobook. So I'm also listening to that. It's it's delightful. And so I just want to throw that out there. Yeah. The, he's become he and i have become what was friends. the name of
2: the uh the, the narrator nick takoski he and i have yeah. actually become friends nick is great very talented he creates uh content for iHeart, and you should all go listen to he just created a show last this past winter called 12 ghosts with that stars um malcolm mcdowell um Dang. big hollywood actor and we're kind of getting out of winter but it's a great spooky wintery ghosty vibes so yeah.
0: Ooh, it's still cold
2: yeah
1: yeah, actually, all of us are north of yeah, you, Pat. Well, so <laughs> yeah,
0: and I'm also continuing my uh, uh, rereading Joe Abercrombie's books from the beginning. I I finished The Blade itself, and now I'm on to Before They Are Hanged. Um, Christina, what are you reading?
1: I am reading the excellently titled "Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead." Love That's that. such a cute book title. <laughs> Thank That's you. a great title.
2: Tell me about that.
1: She won the Nobel Prize. Oh, okay. <laughs> the author, which um, so is dope. So I'm reading that and Space Tripping to uh, The Chaser. So.
2: Hear that writer's a real hack.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no.
2: No
0: negative
1: self he, yeah. he hacked his way into my heart. Oh my gosh. My heart, it's I'm hacked. I'm blushing. <laughs> Pat, thank you so much for, for coming on with us.
2: Thank you so much for having yeah, me. We'll have to have Good you luck. back on for the next project. Yeah. This was delightful.
1: Yeah. Best of luck with everything. We support you. We support supporting the Black Ballad. Yes. Uh, we'll have all the links and... in the show notes and everything. We'll have it on our own Twitter and stuff. So listeners, go to all those places if you want to find Black Ballad. Or just probably yeah. Google it. And now Pat needs to get some sleep and or not prepare for sleep. a small child's birthday party
2: yes you know mm-hmm.
1: never ever sleep again is what i'm hearing
2: <laughs> uh it's it's cliche but yeah you, you, you just exist in a state of perpetual <laughs> i mean i did it, we did it to ourselves it's fine we have three children by choice and it's we did it to ourselves but it's fine it's we're just always tired all the time
1: Listen, <laughs> you can't see a pat is weeping into the camera right? <laughs>
2: There's
0: coffee coming in. It's, it's just black. black. <laughs> yeah, I, I cry black. Cause... Yeah.
1: Sweet cold brew. Yeah, fun fact. The Black Ballad is actually just about having children. <laughs>
2: oh my god. <laughs> I love That's that. the next project. I feel like it's a mixture of, I a make sure I love my children to death. I'm a very involved father, and they're my world. You, you are, <laughs> yes. Like
1: a... yes. Yes, yes. Be just because you are an awesome dad.
2: <laughs> yes.
1: Mm-hmm. We Uh-oh. would not be joking if there were not pictures of Pat perpetually rocking a child and writing a book with one hand. So. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: All right. Books. Books.
2: Books. Books.
1: Thank you for listening to no page unturned part of the geekly Inc podcast family. If you like the show, please show us some love with a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at no page podcast. The show is edited by me, Steph Kingston. Our amazing theme music is by Bad Sparrow, and you can check them out at Bad Sparrow Music. And our cover art is by Chango Chamango, who you can check out on Instagram and Twitter at Chango Chamango.